And, and so now when you, when you listen to that definition and you see that word bonding and, 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 and this closeness that these people of organizations share with one another, today the word fellowship has kind of been devalued because now for the most part we think about fellowship and we think about, you know, cup of coffee, cake and cookies after church, talking to brothers and sisters, or uh, a potluck dinner where we come and sit down and talk to one another. And, and all those things are good, but uh, at the core of fellowship is relationship. The whole purpose of fellowship is to build healthy and strong relationship that is, that is built on, on the principle of love. So now, let me ask you this. Normally, when you hear someone say... Uh, uh, where do you fellowship at? How would you answer that question? What do you think they're asking? Where do you fellowship? Major, get a mic if you would. Those, make sure they're on and then let's kind of talk. Where do you fellowship? You know, a lot of times as Christians, we talk in that type of language and lingo. Where do you fellowship? Uh, you, normally you would say uh, uh, church, at striving for perfection ministry to church. But I mean, what I did was, I, I, I too, I looked up the definition with some, it came up with some words and friendship, and it's like I said, association and company. And then, but the one word that resonated with me was partnership. So when I thought about fellowship, I, I was totally, I was way off base. And then so, so I went to the Bible and I said, okay, wh what does it talk about uh, in the Bible about fellowship. And then it went, I went to, took me to Genesis and it said, Enoch walked in close fellowship with God. And I said, okay, that's, I still couldn't get, you know, a, a, a picture in my mind, but I could see a partnership. And then, and then it went, Second uh, Corinthians said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And then again, it resonated as partnership. So partnership kind of stuck and then uh, went to 1 John, uh, 1 and 3. And it was talking about, uh, it says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And then I understood what Christian fellowship kind of means for us, not just uh, having a potluck and not just we have things in common. We do have a partnership, and that's, that's where that word partnership is said. For a Christian fellowship, it, it, although this is commentary, it, was, it named three things. It said, first, our fellowship is grounded in the tes testimony of God's word. So we all should have that in common if we fellowship with one another as Christian believers. And it says, without this underlying strength, togetherness is impossible. Second, it is mutual, depending on the unity of our believers. So there again, it's still uh, a, a partnership. And then third, it says, uh, it is renewed daily through the Holy Spirit. It says, true fellowship combines social and spiritual interaction and is made possible only through living relationship with Christ. And then so I said, okay, well, 
in order for us to have true fellowship, we first have to have fellowship with Christ. Okay. And so, I mean, you said a lot there. You said a lot, and I think as we go through the lesson, we're going to pick up on some of those things and, and expound on them. So when we're in fellowship, as Major said, we're, we're, we're in this fellowship or relationship with God because God is our Heavenly Father, and so therefore he loves us, we love him, we worship him, we gain knowledge about him, and, and we enjoy his presence. You know, even when we go back to the garden, God, God desired fellowship with Adam and Eve. You know, he, 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 they were put there so that they could have relationship and fellowship with him. And, and, and we fellowship one another because we share and do this together. We serve together. Uh, we have mutual interest and respect uh, for one another. And so, and fellowship also had that component that you said, when we are uh, uh, supporting one another during times of trials and struggles and things of that nature, have a, a mutual caring for one another. So, so you hit all the key things when it comes to fellowship. So at its core, when we talk about fellowship, being that love and that relationship, in a true fellowship, no believer is insignificant. Every, everybody got a part to play, you know, and, at the, and if we uh, uh, build on that, then it takes work, though, to build those type of relationships where everybody feel like they add value to the team, you know, because tonight we're going to see that this word fellowship often uh, carry the connotation of being a part of a body or being a part of a family. And so you, I want you to think on your own, in your own natural way, about your natural family. You know, and how if all things were right, a natural family ought to work just like God intended for the church to work as a family. You know, and, and God intended for certain things to take place. And so, as Major said, we see that fellowship is broader than just eating. But, you know, a lot of time, because that's what we've been conditioned to do, that's the only part that we kind of focus on. So in most places, when you say, uh, are you coming to the fellowship, well, the first thing they think, well, we must go eat. Because, you know, it was, you know, we, we say, but, but fellowship ought to be something that we do that don't always involve eating. So, so the first point we make about this lesson as we continue talking about perpetual fellowship is we understand we were formed for God's family. I mean, we're part of God's family. And so, therefore, uh, I think maybe you hit on some of this in 1 John, uh, but in chapter 3, verse 1, it say, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. So, therefore, now we're in this spiritual family. When we, when we come together, we accept Jesus Christ uh, as our Lord and Savior, and we come into the faith, we become part of a spiritual family. And the Bible often talks about the church as being a family or a body or something that it requires a whole lot of parts to work together in order for it to function like God wanted to. And everybody may have different roles and different things they do, but we're all part of that same body. So when you look at the church, this is just a question, your answer is your answer. What makes you feel like you're part of? Or uh, uh, you're in a family when you're in a church. What what makes you feel like you're in a family in the church? And your answer is your answer. If you think about the church as being a family, later on I'm going to show you that oftentimes when we hear the word church, we think the building. But really, the Bible is not talking about a, a physical building. Really, the Bible is talking about the people that that comprise the church 
that go into a building or wherever they fellowship at or wherever they, they worship at or wherever they come together at. So, what, what, you know, what make you feel like you are in a family, you know, in the church, you know? Okay, so get a mic. So you say because we see ourselves as being children of God. And again, there's no right response. It's just yours, you know? So, so when we think about family and we think of all of us as being God's children, so that gives us this sense that, hey, you know, the church is a family, and when I see myself as a child in this family, that gives me some understanding of what fellowship is all about. Mr. Washington, what, what you got? So what makes me feel that um, I am a family in, in the fellowship of the church yeah, is, what, like you said, is, is the people. It's the people, it's the love, it's the warmness that you feel when you enter into the church is our fellowship in one another with one another and if you're going through something the prayer you know you like the prayer that folks are uh, praying for you and your family and it just it's a it's a feeling a state of being amen belonging amen okay we're gonna hit that too belonging all that all those are a good thing and so so major go ahead uh, i was just gonna say uh like mine our belief systems are are, are the same Okay, being like-minded, yeah, you know, you would hope that if we're all in a family, you will hope that the family share values. You know, whatever that family is, you know, you, I would hope that our parents pass down values to us and we pass down those values to our children. And so, therefore, in the church, we ought to have shared values based on the Word of God and, and, and based upon us calling ourselves Christians or being part of a Christian fellowship or a Christian family. And so, all those things are important. But I think what Sister Washington said, what matters most, my second point, is the family got to have love in it. Amen. You know, 1 Corinthians 3 and 3 from the Message Bible says, so no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I am bankrupt without love. And, and, so, and so from that, we, you know, we understand that, that God expects us to have genuine love for one another, just like I would expect, just in the natural, you know, we ought to have genuine love for our family member. You know, there may be some differences that we share from time to time, but overall, there ought to be genuine love in a family. And so if we're going to compare the church to a family, then there ought to be that level of love in the church. It's hard to get there all the time because we're all different, come from different walks of life, but we got to see all of ourselves as being a part of God's family. You know, this, this spiritual connection got to override our natural understanding of how we think it ought to work. And sometimes we have to put our natural way of looking at people, natural way of thinking aside, and say, God has brought this person into the body. We don't get a vote. You know, just like we didn't get a vote when you came in your family. You know, if you was number three, you was number three. You didn't get a vote to say, there ain't going to be no fourth one or whatever. Mom and dad decided they want to have more children. You, didn't, you became number five or whatever. And so therefore, I think sometime in the church, we think that, okay, we get a vote on who God decided he want to bring into his family. When people accept Jesus, we have to accept them also. And so therefore, sometime I think we can carry ourselves in a way where people don't feel like they are welcome in the family. You know, you know you're in the family but you ought to be welcome. It's almost like sometimes, even in a family, where you adopt a child into a family. Once you go through that formal process of adopting that child in the family, that child ought to feel just like they're part of the, the natural family. 
because now you have engrafted them and adopted them into the family, and so legally, they have all the rights and benefits of, of a child that's born in the family. And so therefore, we got to understand that when people join the body, join the ministry, or become a part of a church, they're coming into a family, and God is not giving us a vote on whether or not we accept them as brothers and sisters. Amen. This spiritual connection, we got to accept it regardless of what we think about a person. And a lot of times, we look at people like, you know, David, they looked at David, you know, when compared to his brother, and we judge people on the outward appearance, and therefore, we never establish that level of relationship with people in the church that we need to. And a fellowship is not going to be effective uh, in a church or no ministry unless you can build on that relationship that fosters fellowship. And we're going to talk about some of the things that they require, and we're going to even talk about it now under COVID conditions, because COVID now has changed the whole scope of how fellowship, the traditional way of forsaking not dissimilar together, you know, that done kind of been shattered in some ways. But because that is, we're not able to come together physically all the time now, that don't mean we can't fellowship. Right. You know, that don't mean that we can't do those Zoom things or do those things online to keep in touch with one another so that we can, like it was said by Sister Washington, what's going on with my brothers and sisters? Right. You know, it, it's a shame that we got a family, and you know, some of us probably ain't seen some of our family members in a year. Ain't got a clue where they're at, what stage and stage they are in life. That's a two-way street. They ought to be calling us. But if we have noticed and missed a brother or sister from sitting at the table, ain't heard nothing from somebody just say, let's give them a call. Let me just check on them, do a little wellness thing to see how they're doing. Because that's all go back to that love and support and caring for people when it comes to the body of Christ and, and a fellowship. So now, now we see this. He says, what matters most? We found out that it's love. Now, this is what the Bible says in Galatians uh, 6, 9, and 10. And, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not faint. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Somebody say to all. To all. Then he come back and say, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, God expects us to do good to everybody if we can, Amen. all mankind. Amen. But he's saying, look here, you especially got to do good Amen. to those in the household of faith, yes. especially. Yes. You know, it's almost like major your mom or dad, somebody saying, hey, you know, it's all right for you to be nice to all your friends at school, but you better look out for your brothers and sisters. Right. And I've seen sometimes in families where family members can get attached to other people outside the family. And they treat them better than they treat the family. God ain't got no problem with you treating those folks outside the family okay because he wants you to do good. But he's saying, man, when it comes to family, family, especially those in your family. And see, and, and I, I've seen that happen. And I was fortunate because I had a, a small family, so me and my sister was the only two. So, you know, we, you know, we had our own set of friends, but we were kind of, you know, two years apart. So we, we, we was kind of close. We weren't as close as I was with some of my friends. But at the same time, I knew that if I had to look out for her, you know, because she was my sister. And at the same time, I realized that she was part of the family. So I, would, I tried to be protective. You know, you're going to protect your sister. You know, you, you know, you, you, just because that's their relationship. Dad didn't expect that. And I never forget when she went to college, I went up to her camp one time, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm being, I'm being big brother. You know, I'm going to, you know, go up there and, you know, just be big brother because I, I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. That's sister. 
but, but, I, but I understand that even in that, sometime if, if my relationship with her was not as close as it could have been, because as soon as I got out of high school, I went straight into the military. You know, and I kind of distanced myself from the family for those years. So when I popped back in town, you know, you know, on leave for 30 days, I'm acting like ain't nothing happening. Things done changed, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, well, well, you know, that relationship ain't what it was. We were just coming up as kids together. Now we've kind of grown apart. And so I think that sometimes we have to work extra hard not to grow apart, especially if we're part of the same body. It'll be almost like how your arm grow apart from your shoulder. It just don't happen like that. And so, so God don't expect us to, to grow apart. But he says, now look, when we get into this what matters most, and we talked about, you know, what uh, uh, Galatians said, as much as we have an opportunity, we need to do good, but especially for those who are in the household of faith. You know, and sometimes, you know, that uh, the Bible is consistent on that because Paul said in another place that as Christians, we are to prefer one another. You know, we, I mean, that, so ain't nothing wrong with that. You, you, you can do well with everybody else, but man, this is my brother or my sister. This is somebody who's in the family of God together. I've I got to prefer this person. You know, and sometimes, well, you know, is, is that pre- preferential treatment? Well, it may be. If God say, I've got to prefer major, you know, I'm going to help everybody. But look, man, when it comes to major, i got to help major. And, and you know... If it come to helping Major or helping John Henry over here, who I, I, don't have a, I don't know that much, quite naturally, you know, I'm going to assess the situation. But push come to shove. If the day is the same day at the same time, I'm going to have to tell John Henry, John Henry, I can't help you today. But if you want to change the date to another time, I can't. But today, I got to help Major. I hope things don't line up like that and we got different dates and stuff like that. I want to help everybody. But if it conflict with major, John Henry got to understand that. Because you know, I hear everybody on the movies now say, you know, that's family. I mean, every time I look at movies now, everybody say, man, that's family. Everybody done jumped on this family thing in the movie, you know. And when they say that's family, that means whatever it takes, you know, we just don't allow certain things to happen to family. And so what we got to see is that God expects us to really embrace this fact thing about being family and that we belong to one another. We're supposed to, to, to belong to one another, a place to belong. Now, now, we talked about love and the fact that love matters because Jesus gave a commandment and he said, hey, this is how the world is going to know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. Love one another. Now, when you hear the word, and we go to this transition to this, this third part, when you hear the word, a place to belong, what, what comes to your mind? And this, again, is your answer. When you hear the word belong, how do you interpret or understand the word belong? When it says the, the body of Christ, the church, is a place to belong. What does that mean to you? Get a mic real quick, so. When you belong to something, uh, a group or a place, 
Okay, good, good point. Anybody else? Yes, that's why. Part of, you're part of Being a part of something, okay. No, not divided, not separated. Okay, belonging, okay, good, good, good. You know, uh, one of the things it says here, even in the perfect and sinless environment of Eden, God said it is not good for man to be alone. So we are created for community, fashioned for fellowship, and formed for family, and none of us can fulfill our purpose in the earth by ourselves. God, God never intended for us to do what he called us to do by ourselves. And so therefore we have to understand that God is serious when he talks about fellowship. And so far we've been talking about fellowship and belonging and nowhere have we mentioned Eden yet. Nowhere we've mentioned that. And, and so I think that what we have to do is that it's going to be hard but when we hear the word fellowship now, we can't, we got to reprogram our minds and not go to food first. Because, right, you know, you know, even, I'm guilty of that. Because anytime I say, man, we need to get together in fellowship, the first thing that comes to mind, man, we got to have somebody to cook, we got to have food, we got to, man, sometimes we ought to just be able to fellowship and feel like we belong, and we ain't got to do nothing to enjoy each other's company. You know, do we feel like, man, if they ain't got no food to fellowship, I ain't going. Well, I don't want to see Major unless I got food. Food is food the only reason <laughs> that I'm coming to see Major. I don't want to see Major whether we got any food or not. Because why? Because I feel like I belong to Major. Major, we belong to each other, and we belong in certain places together. And so when we got that understanding and we, and we see that, uh, Ephesians 2.19 says this, consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Do y'all see how this word household and family keep running through this thing as we talk about fellowship? We're all a part of God's household, you see? And so therefore, we are no longer foreigners, you know? See, look at this. It says, believers are no longer foreigners and strangers, but have been made fellow citizens and members of God's household. The church is a family. While your relationship with Christ is personal, God never intended it to be private. Everybody should have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but he didn't intend for you to have just a private relationship, just you and Jesus all the time. That, that is not how he set the family up. You know, it's God's family, and you are connected to every other believer and we will belong to each other for eternity. Because God is saying, hey, if you're in this family, you know, uh, unless you just get go slap crazy, I ain't got no, God don't desire to kick us out of the family. You know, once we come into the family. So in, from his mind, once we come in this family, he believing that this relationship is going to last forever. This is not something that we're going to be a one-off and we don't enjoy one another's company and fellowship with one another and then all of a sudden it stops. Now, yes, when we move and go from one place to the next, then the body of Christ, your local body here, but the body of Christ is also universal. So God is expecting you to find another family. You know, and, and you know, if you can't find another family, you can still do the type of fellowship you can with your old family, but ideally... You know, when you move to Washington, D.C. or whatever, you ought to be looking for another family, you know, that you can join and be a part of and belong to 
But again, nowadays, because of ways the things are done in ministry like it wasn't in the old days, with the, with, the, with the way things are done online and the internet and all those connectivity, there are people who see themselves as members of fellowship, and they in one state and the church in another state. Because they have see themselves in some type of bonding relationship, even though it's an online relationship. I see myself as being a part of it. I belong to that. So when they open up and do this, I'm a part of it. Anything I can zoom into, I'm a part of it. So they see themselves as being a part of that. Even though that's, I, I haven't met Major personally, you know, but I feel like because we're part of the same body, we listen to the same message, sharing the same the word, and we got those things in common. Now, that, that's just the way it is today. I mean, that, I, we have to accept that. Now, 20 years ago, that dog would not hunt at all. Because I'm saying, man, I ain't, how can I be? In, in my mind, I'm narrow. Fellowship meant I got to see you up close and personal sometimes. Well, nowadays, online fellowships, uh, uh, some people's close online. I mean, it, it, maybe not in the church, but I, you know, I, I know my, my grandsons, he's in that gaming world out there. And, and you would think them guys in the same household sometimes. I mean, I mean, they got so much in common, but they're on, they're on a computer, man, and they done got that close to one another on a computer. I mean, that, that blow my mind, because you know I'm saying, how can you get that close to that man? And me and him have, you know, we have our moments like that, you know, and I'm right here with you. And I say, let's do this, but the dude on that say, you got to do that. He trumped me. That thing messing me up. How can you be that close to that dude and granddaddy standing right here? I got to understand, they have built a bond with each other. And that bond is as if they are right there with it. They know probably more about each other than, than I think because of the time they spend with each other on the line. Now, like I said, 20 years ago, it wouldn't be like that. But now, as, as a pastor today, we got to realize that, you know, COVID is making us realize that everybody ain't going to be in no hurry to get back here. So what are we going to do, just divorce them from the fellowship? No, we got to feel out how we got to fill the fellowship with them long distance online. We got to do something to communicate and connect with them because they're still part of the family, kind of like a family member that's overseas, you know, you know, when you're in the military. They're still part of the family. Go ahead, Major, go ahead. That's what I was going to ask you. So, so if you exclude yourself from the family, let's say you, you leave the church or, or sin and then you, you hey, been asked to sit down, what, what have you. So you're still part of the family until you get rescued from crazy or you just excluded from the family? No, I mean, you know, just think about it in the natural. You know, we, yeah. we all have family members that yeah. don't always follow mom and dad's rules. And, you know, they may leave the house, but that's still your brother. That's still your sister. I mean, the, 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 the true relationship, you know, is it, still there. That relationship is there, but the communion with one another on a regular basis may not be there. We may, not, we may not come together as often as we should because the relationship is, is strained. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's still your family. So it, it, from a church standpoint, we're supposed to try to mend that. We're going to see that a little bit later. In the family, if someone error, we're su not supposed to rub it in. We're supposed to figure out how we can rub it out, you know, so that we can, so that we can bring them back to the family. We got to be able to how, to, how do we restore a brother or sister who do something wrong back to the family instead of excluding them from the family. Sister Watson, go ahead. 
So, so you're right, Pastor. We're living now in a in a virtual environment, right? And so we ha there's changes we all have to do. Um, I was just talking to my grandson. He's three. Last week, and he tells his mom. I was talking to him over the phone, and he's like, "Oh no, Facetime, Grandma. I want to see her. I want to see her." So, so that just gave me an inclination as well, saying. Even though he's right here, there in Montgomery, Alabama, two and a half hours away from drive away, but he he even stated it, and so that made me think in my mind: if a three-year-old is saying, "Hey, now we live in a virtual environment. Now I know I can see Grandma. I can Facetime her. I can see her on my tablet." We all need to start thinking in those terms, like you said. We can fellowship together, but then in this environment, we need to find ways to also fellowship in this virtual environment that we now Amen. And, 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 you know, I, I, I am 100% agree with that. And I just wish I could, you know, at my age right now, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this virtual environment. Now, you know, this thing is getting so deep. Man, every time I look at that in virtual world, you know, they, they, they now selling virtual real estate, man. You just, just, <laughs> I mean, I said, I just can't wrap. How you, how you buy virtual real estate? I mean, come on. And people, and, or, or virtual communities where, you know, I can live with Will Smith and his community, you know, and, and we're on the same piece of part of the computer world. And, 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 and maybe I pay, you know, $10,000. All I get to do is talk to Will every now and then. We have a little chit-chat. And I can say, man, me and Will are friends. We buddies. We like that. I done paid $10,000 just to hold him a conversation. I don't know how it works, man. I got to get smart on that thing because I hear people, man, you need to get you some virtual real estate. What? Like, what? That, to me, in the old days, that'd be like you done bought swamp land in Florida, you know, with some, some virtual real estate. But, but, but technology is, is going there, and these young people understand it, and they buying right into it. But in my mind, I think it, what it does is doing for some people is pulling people more and further and further Heart, man, that human connectivity, like you say, Grant said, hey, I want to see Grandma, I want to talk to somebody, I, I, you know, but that reality, virtual vacation, you know, you don't want to travel, don't want to fly no more, you go pay four or five hundred dollars, you sit down, and you can go to Venice right now, just, just sit there, and you just, just sit there, you in Venice, I'm saying, man, come on, man, I, I, I ain't there yet, my mind, I can't get there. But, but that's where we're headed, man. You know, I always wanted, you know, I thought of vacation. I'm going there. But now these people say, man, no, nah, I, I, I got a fear of flying. But I want to see Venice. Awesome. I throw a hand over here, Brother Washington. Then we'll come back to you, man. Yeah, yeah, Pastor, you're right. I, I went to, to the eye doctor some months ago. So you know how they do the exam. So I go in the room and sit in there. So the lady said, uh, nurse will be in, you know, nurse will be in a minute. So I'm sitting there. Or it's my token. I'm looking around like, where they at? She's on the screen. And I'm looking up there. I'm like, she's way somewhere else, another state somewhere, talking to me. So everything is virtual. You got to, you know, you, you, these days you just got to get with the program because <laughs> things are changing. Then this coronavirus ain't make it, you know, no better because, you know, it's just a, the new time. You know, it's just a new world now. So we got to get, you know, used to that. And, you know, then go back on fellowship, you know. It's just like when we left California, our church home from down there, and we came here, in my heart, when I stepped in here, I knew this was the place I was supposed to be, because I could feel it in my heart that this is where I belong. So, so like I said, time just changing. Amen. Amen. Okay, I thought, Dusty Myrna, go ahead. Did, did uh, Facebook, for instance. People share more on Facebook than they share in their own houses. 
everything they do, if they go out to eat, they snap the food, they send it out there. They communicate more on Facebook than in their own home, mm -hmm. even wow. on the phone. Wow. And, and you know, again, when we start talking about those platforms, social media, I, 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 you know, all I do is just go out there and look for striving stuff online and see who made comments. Man, I don't, I don't even know how to comment with folks out there really on Facebook, you know. We got a page that folks be, all these notifications, I don't even know what the fuck I'm supposed to do with them notifications, man. I see them say, man, you got about 300 notifications in there. I, I got to ask somebody, what am I supposed to do with those 300 notifications? But I'm supposed to write somebody back, say something back to them? I don't know, but... But you're right, and, and, and I, I'm, just, I'm just not with the program. I got to get with the program, but I ain't there yet. You know, and, and, and the sad thing is that, that reality is that that's how the young people are communicating on all these social platforms, and, and if the church don't figure out how to do that effectively, we're going to get left behind. You know, because a lot of young people ain't going to do the way, church the way we used to do it, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And so, therefore, you're going to have to kind of find that happy ground. And, and you know, I, I believe we're going to get to a point where people are going to come to church in person on special occasions and events like that. But other than that, hey, I'll check you out Sunday morning online. I hope that ain't the way it's going to go. But, you know, that, that's where it's trending. I mean, and so, therefore, because it's trending that way, we can't get to the point where we no longer think fellowship is important. We've got to figure out how do we be creative in the way we fellowship one with another. You know, and, and still try to get to know our members that we don't see all the time, you know. And so that, that's just a challenge that we have when it comes to trying to meet this obligation of fellowship. Just watch them there. Pastor, we do also have to look at how, you know, how we grew up, right? Okay, so us growing up, I was in church all my young adult life. You know, my mother and father, we had to go to church. Now we're looking at it as if their parents are looking at it online, the children are looking at it online. Now this is gonna be a whole new generation coming up that's, that's fellowshipping like online. So how do you reverse that thing if, if, it, if it does turn out that way? Sad but true, I don't, I don't wanna see it turn out that way. I personally want to come and be in the church house because that's how I was brought up. Yeah. But, Things are changing, so how do you reverse that thing if it in, inevitably happens? That's, that's and, and that's a good point. I think sometimes it looked like life has a way of going around in circles. You know, it, 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 we just in this cycle right now, and eventually, I do think it's going to get better because that sense of, of needing to belong to someone. Because if not, we're going to raise a generation of people that are not so don't know how to socialize with one another uh, in person and, and close up. And they're going to, you know, just going to be hid in rooms somewhere, introverted, and, and don't know how to uh, communicate with people. So I just hope that and pray that eventually that cycle is going to get, go away. Because there are certain things that people still like to go to. Even in COVID, they still go on the football game. You know, they, they still go. So, so it's a, I think when it comes to church, people just have made a conscious choice. <laughs> Sunday morning, getting up at 8 o'clock to get done at 10 with three kids to dress. Nah, that ain't like going to a football game live or one off to go get a chance to go see a championship game. Well, I'm going to that. I'm going to take my chances at the game. But uh, no, right now, they got it streaming to me. I'm a streaming member. That, that's just what I am. I'm going to catch it streaming. And so we as pastors or leaders, we just got to deal with that because you can't make folk. You know, one thing about church, church, can't, 
you know, even though people become members of a church and members of the of family, you can't, unless the church is a cult, you can't make folk do what they don't want to do. You know, you hope that they enjoy being in the body and they being a, being a part of a body and they want to fellowship, but you can't make them do that if they don't want to. It's no different than trying to make them stay when they want to leave. That, that's, the, that's the thing about the body that's kind of weird because in our natural bodies, you know, we don't, our hands just don't up and say, we, I'm, I'm out of here. But in the, in, in the church, people have those options. that They, they want to move, don't want to go. And so we as pastors have to accept that and, and understand that people have free will even when it comes to this aspect of what God wants to do in fellowship. But it doesn't have to be one or the other. I mean, we don't have to get to that point. It can be, you know, a combination just as it is now. A hybrid. You, 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 got, you have a choice. It doesn't have to say, okay, we're going to stop this because nobody's coming anyway. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And so, so when we look at this, and, and, and I'm going to read some of what Paul said. Uh, to Paul, being a member of the church meant being a vital organ of a living body, an indispensable, interconnected part of the body of Christ. He says the church is not a building, but it's an, uh, the church is, is a body, not a building. It's an organism, not an organization. For the organs of your body, uh, for, your, for the organs of your body to fulfill their purposes, they must be connected to your body. The same is true for us as the body of Christ. So the thing is now, we're challenged to figure out how do we maintain that connectivity or are we so narrow that we see connectivity as only major sitting right there? I got to be broad enough to say I'm connected with everybody that's out there online right now. You know, I'm hoping as we speak and they're talking and listening, they'll get some things out and if they want to chat online and give some feedback, they're making comments as the lesson goes. And, and there's some type of exchange going on. But if I got so narrow and say, hey, everybody that's out there online, hey, you ain't part of the body tonight, then that'll be kind of a bad way to look at it in the times we're living in. You know, so, so therefore, uh, I agree with you 100%, Major. I think the church is going to have to, uh, for the foreseeable future, see itself as a hybrid, you know, where you're going to have an online audience and you're going to have an in-person audience. And, uh, and, 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 and I think it's going to fluctuate. But I still think with that, you know, I remember a year ago when we first started uh, doing some of these things about the fellowships and things of that nature. I remember we, our fellowship team had our first virtual little, I think it was a, a bingo something we played online and all that. And even though that was the first time we did something like that and called it a fellowship, it was a lot of fun. I mean, some of the people really got excited about doing that. And then COVID hit real bad and we didn't do another one. But those are the type things now, as we think about fellowship, we're going to have to think, hey, some people may decide I want to be here, and some people are going to say I want to watch it and catch it online. And we're going to still call this time that we spend together uh, with one another fellowship because we realize that God still expects us to do uh, some type of fellowship to the best of our ability that we, can, uh, that we can share with one with another. Because here in a minute I'm going to show you why that's important. You know, and, and so the fourth thing I want to talk about is, is uh, experiencing life together. Experiencing life together. You know, uh, Colossians 3.15 says, Each one of you is part of the body of Christ, and you are chosen 
to live together in peace. Psalms 133 says from the today's English version, how wonderful it is, how pleasant for God's people to live together in harmony. Why do you think that peace and harmony is an important part or important for fellowship? Peace and harmony. Anybody? Your answer is your answer. If you're not at peace, then you're always bickering with one another. There is no understanding. And if love is the essential part of unity, then there wouldn't be no love if there is a lot of bickering and fighting. A amen. And, and you can use that almost in a natural family. Right. I mean, people who are born in, in the same family, man, it, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, when your family is out of sort, when, you know, they won't even come to family reunion, you know, they're mad at somebody. Mm -hmm. I ain't going to family reunion. You know, the family reunion was a special time. You, you know, you set that time aside to go to family reunion. But then some people say, man, I, I'm mad and I'm such and such, I ain't going to no family reunion. I don't even want to see her. And, 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 and that means that obviously there's no peace in that family. There's no harmony. And, and so therefore, it, that way in the church, believe it or not, there are probably some people don't come to striving because they don't want to see somebody else. Because that means that there is no fellowship there. There is no sense of relationship there. There is no strong bond of love there. If I can say, hey, man, I ain't going to church because I don't want to pass major today. That means that's something wrong with our relationship. And so that's why it's important for us to understand how important peace and how important harmony is in a relationship. Because, again, if I'm at peace with major, I don't mind being around major. But if every time I go around major, man, major argument about something, he always on it. Major going to be at church day, you know, you got to run down the list. It's Major there today. I, I, I don't see his car in the parking lot. I'm going to go on in today. But I see Major car in the parking lot, I'm going to keep on riding. Because <laughs> I, I know, you know, ain't no peace between me and Major. Okay, okay. Pastor, with that said, is there a point where you say, we're just going to have disharmony. This is not going to work. So do you <laughs> give up trying to, I mean, I believe God never intended for us to give up on one another as a family. I mean, if we look at this thing as a true family, you know, we can have some tough love and things of that nature. But, you know, even in your real family, I just think you, you just, even though a brother or sister may not be doing the things you want them to do, I still don't think if you really got love for that brother or that sister and you have a bond of a relationship with them, you, you're just going to always hold out hope that things could be better. And if the give up is going to take place, you got to say as much as depend on you. The Bible says, as much as depend on you, live peaceably with all men. So if there is a break in the relationship, it's not going to be on me. Because I can't make the other person, you know, receive the warmth, receive the love and the care and all that. I can't, you can't make a person do that. But what I can do is make sure that I extend it and show it and put the ball in their court. So, so my, my, own, my own personal testimony, you know, my relationship with my youngest brother, I mean, it's, it's strained. I mean, and, you know, we reached out during mom's funeral or, or we talked, but it went back uh, to the same way uh, for, for, for different reasons. 
Um, but I can honestly say that I, I tried. But on his part, he's like, whatever, bro. Whatever, bro, man. If we don't, if we don't talk, we just don't talk. So at what point do I continue and continue to continue? Because it does. It upsets me. I'm, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it hurts me. That's, that's my brother. Yeah, yeah. And, and but, so, I th- but, but what also hurts me is <laughs> <laughs> I keep reaching and reaching and reaching with, with no result. It's like. So, so the question is, you know, from God's point of view, where does love stop? And, you know, we talk Christian lingo, you know, we love in spite of, God loved us in spite of. So if Jesus had had that same attitude, you know, where we had stopped on some of us. Well, I mean, no, love ain't st- I, I love him, but can I love him from, can I love him without, you know, keeping <laughs> getting, getting my heart broke? I mean, can I do that? <laughs> no, no, I, I, I'm saying. Well, 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 I mean, are you I, just loving I, him in motion? No, so what, love, what's that love? How do you define that love when you say if, you love if, him? If he said, hey, hey, I need you, I, I'm there, got it. Okay. Got it. But as far as as far as us having a relationship where we we're, we're talking every every day as brothers should or whenever or whenever you know the family gets together you know he ain't coming because he don't he, you know I mean where where do, where do we where do we not draw the line or stop loving him but hey man we gonna have to handle this dude from from a distance yeah. And, 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 you know, that, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one, Major, but, but at the same time, I think I have to put the ball back in your court. You still got to do what God requires you to do. You can't make the other person change if they don't want to change. God got to do that. But you can still extend that love and pray and hope that, hey, if I keep this brother lifted up in prayer, if I keep being nice to him, you know, I'm going to try to win him with love and kindness. I'm going to draw him. I'm going to keep doing it. And then eventually he may feel like, hey, okay, Major ain't going away. I might as well just, you know, he, he got me on the prayer list. He praying for me, you know. He, he didn't remember my birthday. He calling me, sending me texts. He really making an effort. Sometimes when people's hearts are hard, man, you really have to put in the effort to chip away at it and pray that God would change their heart. Because if God don't change his heart, you know it ain't going to change. But I do think that it, it's worth the effort Amen. if he's your brother. It's, it's worth the effort. And, and you can't look at it like, oh, man, I'm keep trying and, and that dude ain't responding, then now it looked like it could be a little out of pride and our ego getting a little hurt because I'm extending my olive branch out and he ain't giving no olive branch back, yeah. then it, it can't mess with you. But that's where you're going to have to say, okay, God will still extend that branch, you know, regardless of how he's acting because I'm doing what God wants me to do and my blessing is going to be connected to me following what God will have me to do. Okay, amen. Did I see another hand? Sister Washington, did you want to say something? Talking about peace and harmony. So sometimes, you know, even in families, similar to what uh, Major's uh, speaking of, you can have where you're having a family reunion, a family gathering, and everybody's just having a good time, and then Aunt Lucy want to come over, and every time she's come, she's drunk, and she wants to fight. And so (laughs) there we go with the peace and the harmony. First she had the peace, and the harmony was great, but she wants to get that liquor in her and she just wants to fight and we know what's gonna happen as soon as she gets, she comes to the party. We already know. And so people sometimes won't come or, they, or they'll leave as soon as, and then that even starts it. Well, why is so-and-so leaving? It's, we wanna, sometimes people wanna say it's because of you. But like you said, how do you keep the peace when somebody always, the same person, always bring the wrath? 
and, and, and you know, again, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one and a bad one. Uh, but all I can do is put it back on what the words say. As much as depend on you, not on Lucy, not on Mary, as much as depend on you, that means you're going to be at peace even though Aunt Lucy may not be at peace. I'm going to have peace of mind because I done did what God called me to do. Now, I can't make her be at peace, but I can at least make sure that I'm going to leave this family union in peace so if something happened to her on the way home or whatever, I can know that, hey, we didn't have no cross words, and if she did, it was a one-sided conversation. You know, I, I showed her the love that I'm supposed to show her, and I extended the peace that I'm supposed to extend, but, you know, it didn't come back. That's okay, God. You told me to do it. I'm trusting you for the outcome. And that's what we have to do sometime when we're dealing with relevant stuff. We have to move by faith. Adrian, I saw your hand and then. I couldn't resist. Um, go ahead. Exactly what you said. But, but even to, to go even further than that is to be able to have peace with, hey, I'm, I'm trying to love that person. I'm trying to show them that person. Yet I'm not receiving the same thing in return. I think that's our headache is that I'm trying to live at peace with this person. But they don't, even, they don't even realize it. They're not trying at all. And so not to get caught up on what they're doing, but to just do, do your part. Do what the word says. Live at peace with all men, if possible. It do say possible, Pastor, <laughs> in the version that I read. And yeah. so if that's not possible, and I've extended all that I can, when I come to them, I'm cordial. I'm, I'm loving them. But to realize that it's, it, it is hard to... You don't have to be with with that person. You don't have to be around that person. I, and I and I have to say that because of what she just described is some people, depending on their mental state or depending on addictions and, and different behaviors, you may not be able to be around that person and still have your peace. And you will be able to determine that because there are people, Pastor. I hate to say, it, but it's some people that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it's a reality. There's some people that no matter what you do, it's just, you, you can't have, they won't let you have peace, but you do your part. That's right. You do your part and don't think that they're going to necessarily do their part because they're not there. Amen. 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 But Verna, <laughs> this is good. Yeah. Uh, like what Major going through. I got two of sisters and a brother that I'm going, going through basically the same thing. So what I want to answer is, I want to um, say like, my oldest sister, she won't, both of my sisters, they live in Texas. They've been there for years. They won't even see each other. So when, we, when I went out there, I said, did you call Sheila? No, she don't talk to me, so I ain't gonna talk to her. So I said, well, still have to do, do your part and what God see, what you do, you don't, you're going to get blessed. So, so I'm the peacemaker. So my, like I got a brother living in California. You know, I call him. He's he been sick with cancer. So I try to call. They answer their phone here and there. Maybe a month might go by. You know, they finally call me back. So when they do call me back, it's like I've been talking to them for a long time because I don't bring up, well, you ain't calling me. You don't do this and that. I just do what God tell me to do, and that's how I keep it going. Amen. Amen. And it, and it is difficult, and I think Adrian, you know, the word hit it right on the head. It's that as much as depend on you, as much as depend on you, if possible, live peaceably with all men. So therefore, if, 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 if there is an impossibility there, 
it can't be on your side. I mean, you got to have, have done all that God would have you to do in that situation and believe that if we continue to do it in, in a loving manner and, 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 and invoking prayer in a situation, people's lives and hearts can change. But if not, then that'll give you peace if something happened to that person. You know that, hey, I did everything God wanted me to do. The person didn't listen. And it's no different if you got children. You know, if you done brought your, raised your children the right way and you done taught them all the things they need to be taught and you did all that you could do to make sure that they, you know, live in accordance with the things you taught them and they go out and do something contrary to that, you, you can't buy into the guilt if you did all that you're supposed to do. But if you didn't do everything you're supposed to do and then something happened, then now you're going to feel like, man, I should have, would have, could have did that. Now we got to do everything that God will have us to do and then let the consequences fall where they may when, when you've done all you can do. But the guilty part is when we don't do that. So often we, we give these situations, but sometimes we got to go that extra mile to do what Jesus was do, would do in those situations. And I believe that would be to continue to reach out and hope that one of those times that, you know, a door is going to open and something's going to change. But if it don't, at least you know you'll be at peace in your heart and with God and with yourself if something happened to your relative or friend or whoever it is that that relationship is strained. You know, um, a, a point here, and we're going to start getting into some things that, that can help these situations. It says, God intended for us to experience life together. The Bible calls this shared experience fellowship. Real fellowship is much more than just showing up at services. It is experiencing life together. It includes unselfish loving, honest sharing, practical serving, sacrificial giving, sympathetic, confident, and all, and, and, and all the others one another commanded, commands found in the New Testament. So if what he's saying there, you can just uh, uh, put in, if you've got a Bible program, just put in one another in the New Testament, and you'll see all, everywhere where the Bible talks about one another and give you a good indication what God expects us to do with one another, for one another, and as we consider ourselves being a part of his body and part of a fellowship. But uh, in the discussion part here, it says uh, three keys to real fellowship. The first thing, in order to have real fellowship, and I, and I think, you know, some of these things are hard to accomplish, but the, if you're going to try to get there, uh, the first one is authenticity. You know, what, what does that mean to you when it says, you know, one of the keys, you've got to be authentic. What does that mean? Be real. Okay, yeah. Keeping it like yeah. the word said in the word, keeping it 100. I mean, be real. You know, don't. And, and, and being real mean that you're not in a, you know, a lot of time in church, and even, and I think it's not striving, it's, it, 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 it's no different than any other church. There are a lot of superficial relationships in churches. You know, we, we know each other on a superficial level, but we don't spend enough time with one another to get to know each other on a deeper level. So therefore, it's hard to figure out, is Major really real, is he authentic, or is he just put on because it's Sunday? Because, you know, I may not see Major for another two weeks, I ain't going to talk to him, I ain't going to call him, ain't no relationship there. So now I, I got to figure out, is he real, is he keeping it 100? And then he ain't going to keep it 100 if we don't have a relationship. Ain't nobody going to come and share with us the deeper things that's going on in their lives if you don't have no relationship with them. And so, therefore, trying to be authentic with one another requires work. And I don't think God intended us in a church of 
400 people, 1,000 people, for you to be authentic with, try to be that way with everybody in the whole church. But I do think that there ought to be a certain people in your circle that you got authentic relationship with. It ain't just, you know, glossed over, superficial level that runs deep because you, you do the things that is required to have an authentic relationship. You know, uh, if, if we understand that, because what happens is when we're authentic, like Major said, then we, we develop genuine heartfelt relationships. Now, I, now when I'm authentic and I have a genuine relationship with Major, then because of that authenticity and how close we are, then now I can understand why I got to prefer Major over somebody else in this situation. Because our relationship says that I'm going to try to help the other guy too, but because I got this authentic relationship with Major and I know Major wouldn't even ask me to do this if he didn't need it. He ain't going to just use me because we're in a relationship. This is some a genuine reason that Major need to ask me to do this thing for him. And so I got to believe because we spend that time with one another, the relationship are authentic. And, 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 and I know uh, uh, in a church, you know, even here striving, we, we got to work on that. I mean, you got to find those people that you feel like is real with you and you're real with them. You know, and, and yeah, I'm not telling you as soon as you meet somebody, you share your whole life story with them because, you know, folk got to understand you and you got to understand them because in addition to the authenticity, the next thing you got to have is got to be mutuality. And, and mutuality is the art of giving and receiving. This is an exchange. We got to have a mutual relationship with one another where we are giving. It can't be one-sided. And if it's one-sided, then that means that one party is not being authentic. You know? And so when we talk about that mutuality and, and dependent, uh, uh, and, uh, giving and receiving, it's dependent on each other. The Bible in 1 Corinthians 12, 25 says this, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding how our lives together as a church, every part depends on every other part. Mutuality, this is not the Bible now, mutuality is the heart of fellowship. Building reciprocal relationships, sharing responsibility, helping each other. He says, all of us are more consistent in our faith when others walk with us and encourage us along the way. And so that mutuality, man, is important. And, 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 and if you don't have that authenticity and the mutuality, then it's going to be hard to have genuine fellowship. We may come together, but it's just going to be superficial. And when things are superficial, you know, and again, it's almost like right now, you know, um, for the year and a half or so we've been going through COVID, man, if you have been genuine with some people and, and your relationship have been authentic, even though they don't come to church, you ought to know where they are right now. You ought to still be contacting them, and they may be contacting you, even though they don't come to church because, hey, we had a genuine relationship. I really cared about this person. And when I don't see them at church, I want to make sure they're still okay. But if everything is superficial, then it's not a mutual relationship because it may be one-sided. And so what we got to understand is that, again, that can't be established. I don't think we, he's trying to make it like everybody. But boy, you got to have somebody in the body that you're in that you feel close to. If you've been a part of a church or fellowship 
for a year and you don't feel like you got any relationship with anybody in the church, man, you know, the Bible says, you know, if you want friends, you got to show yourself friendly. Are, are you reaching out? Are you trying to open yourself up to receive friends or show yourself friendly? Because you don't want to be in a church and feel like you're on an island all by yourself. You know, and, and, and this is difficult in the, in the generation that we're dealing with now because the younger generation don't really buy into this sense of belonging like we do in a personal way. You know, like I say, if I got them on my phone, that's it. I mean, we, we there, and that's it. But, man, when, you, when, when you're really going through something, you know, it, it got to take a little bit more than just there on the phone. You know, it, it got to take a little bit more than that. You know, it may mean that, hey, man, I got to get on a flight. That's my boy. I mean, that, I got to, I just can't sit there and look on the phone and think they're going to solve it. I mean, I got to, I got to do something. I mean, even if it's that type of relationship on the phone, if it's a genuine relationship, man, when that person says, hey, man, I'm in trouble, you're going to be, hey, I got to get there. Amen. Yes, that's why. I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Pastor, about the authenticity, being authentic and the mutual connections. Um, with Minister Marva, I can tell you that woman, I love that woman, and I know she loves me and my family. Um, she calls me at least e either once a week or every other week. Now, we spent the whole month in Georgia, got sick out there, had a bad cold and bron some bronchitis, but she would call, check on us, you know, and going through the grieving with my son. She's, uh, she's telling me, call me, I don't care if it's day or night, and I feel that. So I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned it. Her being our tribe leader, she really connects. And I, gotta, I just got to give that shout out to her because she really, really connects, even more so sometimes in my own family. Amen. So I appreciate that, that you, those words, they just resonate with me, saying Amen. that this woman really, being from this church, striving for, for, for perfection, she really, really is authentic. Amen. And I, and I thank God for her and the church. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. And, 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 you know, and, and, and we need to make sure that we try to duplicate the marvels and striving, you know, and, and, and again, because again, marvels of that generation where, you know, that's what we, you know, but the, today, you know, churches are not organized like you be. I remember in the old days, you know, uh, when, my when I grew up, you know, deacons on Saturday used to make house calls, man. They come around to visit you and collect dues. I mean, I mean, they come check and see how you're doing. And, and they had the little book, man, the little book. And you give you a little dues. And you want to come to and give it dues. And I'm saying, what these dudes here for? Well, those are the deacons in the church, man. They come to check on you doing the health and wellness thing. But at the same time, give us your dues. You know what I mean? Now, I hope it wasn't the dudes that was bringing them by your house. But, but at the same time, they did connect with the people. I mean, and, and today, you know, you know, because, you know, we wire stuff in and we send it in this kind of way. And don't that 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 closely, but Miss Marv is old school, you know, and and I appreciate her for that, and any of our members, not just Miss Marv, who who have bonded with other people and give them a call in in a genuine way because they understand that mutuality and that authenticity. And then the third thing it says, you know, when you're cultivating um, this uh, experience together, uh, it's mercy. You know, uh, fellowship is a place of grace where mistakes aren't rubbed in, but rubbed out. Fellowship means when mercy wins over justice. We all need mercy because we all stumble and fall and require help to get back on track. 
You know, we need to offer mercy to each other and be willing to receive it from others. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, 7, when people sin, we should forgive and comfort them so they won't give up in despair. I think sometimes the church, we miss it right there because we sometimes, we, people know they done did wrong. And, 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 and sometime in our effort to help them, we first remind them what they done did wrong before we try to give them the help they need. And by reminding them what they did wrong, you ain't helping them because they already know what they did wrong. They, they need for you to say, help me get out of this hole I'm in. I don't need you to throw some dirt on me first and then decide you're going to help me because then now, I, you know, I may not want to even reach my hand up for you. So, but because I think, I don't know if that's a, a judgment of nature that's in us or we like that or some people like that. But the, the church, we have to, you know, be willing to show mercy to people because God showed mercy to us. You know, he was merciful to us. He showed love to us. And therefore, he expects us to reciprocate that back to others. And, and, and sometimes when people are in a family, there are going to be members that make mistakes. I mean, you know, it, it, it don't mean that you condone that mistake, but it's a mistake. And you got to forgive them because it's been, it's been done now. So you got to get over and forgive them so that y'all can move on and you pray and hope that they don't make the same mistake again. You know, and, and so when a person can't find mercy in the body of Christ, you know, the place where, you know, we say often that the church is supposed to be a hospital for those who are sick and all that. We use those, that type of language. But a lot of times when a person make a mistake and gets sick, you know, we beat them up while they're sick. Instead of saying, let's extend the mercy first and then let's talk about what type of corrective action we can help them with if, so, that, so that they won't make that same mistake again. But you don't want to foster someone's errors and endorse it. There's a difference, you know, when you endorse somebody and just say, okay, it's okay, God don't care. No, I think mercy says, hey, I understand where you are. And as a result of that, I know that it's better for me to show you mercy now and help you out of this situation than to beat you up while you're in the situation. You know, now we can play that out and say, well, how often you do that? Well, you know, Jesus kind of tied that thing to, you know, when somebody do you wrong 99 times, how often you stop forgiving them, you know? And that's a tough one. But he made us understand, trying to make us understand that sometimes we have to go that extra mile dealing with brothers and sisters, you know? Because sometimes people come to the Lord with stuff that they've been dealing with for years. I mean, that they've been fighting, they've been trying to get over for years, and, 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 and people don't normally just change overnight. There are some people that do some things cold turkey, boom, like that, they can stop it and, and move on with their life. But there are some people going to fall a couple times. You know, very few babies just, you know, start off walking without falling a couple times. Some babies walk quicker and faster than others, but some babies going to fall four or five times, you know. And every time they fall, you got to be there to, to pick them up. And, and hope that each time they learn something from the mistake that they made, and then they can continue on and feel like, hey, I can still be a part of this family, and I don't have to feel like I'm ashamed uh, to be around my brothers and sisters. Yeah, I made a mistake. But again, sometimes we would never know that if we don't have a relationship with people. Because a lot of times people will hide their hurt. They will hide their mistake. Because I ain't going to talk to the major man. Dude don't never talk to me. Now all of a sudden now, I need to open up to him. We don't have that keep a real relationship. 
We haven't been authentic with one another. We don't have that mutual relationship with one another like that. So therefore, if I, even if I am hurting, I don't know nobody in the church, then I'm going to probably hold on to that internally. And then when people say something to me, I'm, they're going to be trying to figure out, why am I responding like this? Because I'm harboring a lot of stuff in my heart. That boy, if I was in a relationship with at least one person in striving, man, I can call them on the phone and know if I share my heart with them, it ain't going no further. Amen. You know, and that's the thing that kills relationship. What we're going to see later is that when people get to that level with you and then you break confidence. I mean, and, and, and that happens a lot of times in the church. You know, when you tell people, hey, look, I'm telling you this is supposed to be between us. Then we break that confidence and then the word get back. Then now, man, that relationship is going to be, take a whole lot to be repaired. Because people think that, man, I thought that I could be honest in the church and I found out that I could. It's just like in the world. The minute I said that, it was, it was on the network. The grapevine had it. It was gone. Now everybody in church looking at me like I'm crazy. And, and, and people can sense that. And what then will happen is people will shut down and they'll never open back up, especially the church, because they're going to say, man, if church folks would do that to you. I didn't expect that from the church. I expect that from the people in the world. But you guys will be like Jesus. I thought that y'all would be a little bit different. And we probably all have made mistakes in those areas, but God has forgiven us. And so we have to make sure that we do our best to, to don't make those type of mistakes again. Amen. You know, and, and it's better sometimes for people not to tell you something you know you can't keep. Just don't, hey, look, don't share with me right now, now ain't the time. I mean, you know, I, I just don't want it right now because I just, they got to know that. Because you, you know that, hey, you, you, you subject to, you, you know how we, we spiritualize something, you know, you know. We need to keep Sister So-and-So lifted up in prayer. Make it like the law. <laughs> and then now you're putting a business. And she had a woman on the prayer list, she would have put it on there. But, and so, so that, and, and I use that in a laughing manner. But, you know, stuff like that happens in church. I'm telling you, it, those little incidents like that do happen sometimes. Now, when it comes to this cultivating this thing called community, you know, um, it requires commitment. You know, uh, and, and, and uh, one of the things it says here in, in the Message Bible in James 3.18 says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. You know, it says community requires commitment. And only the Holy Spirit can create a real fellowship between believers, but he cultivates it uh, with the choices and commitments we make. It takes both God's power and our effort to produce a loving Christian community. You know, unfortunately, remember, uh, many people grow up in families with unhealthy relationships. We just listened to some of that. You know, many people grow up with unhealthy relationships. So if they've grown up that way, they lack relational skills needed for a real fellowship. In other words, if you've had, and not everybody like that, but if you've had bad experience in your own real family, then you're going to feel like, man, ain't no way I can be that close to somebody. Man, if I had issues like that with my blood, and, and I just met Major at church, you think I'm going to get that close to him with me and my blood can't even get So if people bring that mindset into the church, it takes the Spirit of God to change that, to change the attitude, and it takes going back to those things we did, that authenticity, that mutuality and that mercy that we can show to one another to break down some of those walls and some of those barriers 
that people come to the church with. Because a lot of times, because we all come from different walks of life or raised different ways, we all come to the church with our own set of issues. And as we grow in fellowship one with another, we hope that we can overcome some of those things to allow us to have healthy relationship with one another in the church. And so there are five things, and, and I'll go through these real quick here because 715, but it's five principles to building a, a, a community fellowship. Uh, the first one it says is honesty. Honesty. You know, we, we got to be honest with one another. And, and it says, to cultivate community fellowship, you would have to care enough to, be loving, to, to lovingly speak the truth even when you would rather glaze over a problem and ignore the issue. But just because we speak the truth in love, that don't give us grounds to be rude uh, or to speak to each other in an ungodly way. You know? but, but we got to know how to be honest because true, true friendship and true uh, fellowship, man, I got to feel like, hey, Major, can we each handle the truth? Can we just talk truthfully to one another? You know? And sometimes that can be difficult when, you, when there's no authenticity there, but, but in, if the relationship is going to grow and, fly, and flourish, man, you've got to be honest with one another. And that's no different than in a family, in a husband and wife relationship. Man, if you can't be honest with your husband or your wife, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. Right. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, you have to ask one another, okay, can we, can we speak truthfully right now? You know, we want to make things better because sometimes we dodge around the truth because we're trying to protect that other person, but then we become frustrated because we never say the things that we really think we need to say to make a change. So I think mature people got to know how to sit down and have honest communication with one another and know that God has no problem. And, and so we, we should never use harsh words when we're trying to be honest with people. You got to figure out a way how to on, be honest and correct people without getting caught up in your feelings and using harsh words, putting people down. Because now you're not going to be treating them with dignity and respect. And you know, and nobody want to be treated in a way where there's no dignity and respect. And so sometimes it's just better if you know you can't do that just to be silent. You know, because words, words, man, words can do it. Words, man, once you get them out there, you can't take them back. And sometimes people remember our words a lot longer then they remember a whooping, you know. Sometimes, you know, it uh, looks like the pain from a whipping go away. But man, some you said to a person 10 years ago, they still holding on, man, you said, you, your words have power, you know. And that's why the Bible talks about life and death, man, is in the power of the tongue. So we got to be careful how we use words, even when we're being honest with one another. You know, we got to ask for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. The second thing it says that, 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 in order for uh, the community to, to, to thrive, there got to be humility. You know, self-importance and smugness and, and stubborn pride destroys fellowship faster than anything else. You know, First uh, Peter 5 and 5 says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another. So in other words, the proper dress for fellowship is that, man, we have to put on humility. Right. You know, and, and if we can put on humility, we won't get caught up in our own pride and our own arrogance. And, 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 and sometimes when we do that, people know, major they know when, people know when they think we're looking down on them. You know, that you think you're better than them and you're looking down on them because of the way you carry yourself, your arrogance your, and, your, and your pride for disposition. And so when people can sense that, 
you know, it's going to destroy the relationship because I don't, I don't want Major to look down at me because I want him to respect me and treat me with honor and dignity, and so therefore he treat me like he wanted to be treated. Amen. See, and, and so sometimes when we're not careful, we can, we can destroy relationships just by how we carry ourselves around people. Don't try to pretend and puff yourself up to be more than you are, you know, uh, because if once you do that, then, you know, pride always go before the fall. And so just keep that in mind. Number three, and we got two more, we're going to get out of here real quick. He says, the third one is courtesy. Courtesy is respecting our differences. Be considerate of each other's feelings and be patient with people who irritate you. <laughs> so obviously there could be some people <laughs> in the church that irritate you. And it says, you know, you know, God expects us to be big hearted and courteous, you know, and, and that's tough sometimes, you know, when, when we got to be considerate of each other's feelings because people's feelings are important to them, you know, and, and, and therefore that goes back to what Brother Will preached about a month ago when he was talking about being empathetic with the empathy, empathy for the empathetic or something, how you frame that thing. And that means, man, I put myself in somebody else's position and say, hey, look, man, would I want Major to treat me like that? You know, if I was in that position, would I, you know, if I would, I want to be treated like that. And I think sometimes when we do that, then we can be courteous with one another. Even when I was in the world, man, and not even in the church, uh, I had an old commander. Man, there was one thing this dude would say, hey, I don't accept rude. You would not be rude to anybody. That's what he used to tell us all the time. Now, he wasn't even a Christian guy, but he understood that it's something about rude people that just turn people off. And I remember that to this day, man. He says, you know, if nothing else, you don't have to be rude. You can be courteous to people, and you can treat them with respect. And I always remember that. And then when I see the Bible is high on that, then I realized that he may have not been a godly man, but he was speaking a godly principle. And so therefore, we got to understand that 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 is important. The fourth thing is what I said earlier is confidentiality. And I think this is where we get a lot in trouble with people, not just in the church. Only in a safe environment will people warm up and, 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 uh, and, and share their heart and their feelings when they feel like their confidentiality can be, you know, you can, you can, you can be trusted with the things that they tell you. You know, a lot of times when we are, especially when we break off in a smaller group with women with women and the men with men, you know, when we're in those groups, sometimes brothers do warm up and be real, and sometimes sisters do the same thing. And man, the things they say in those uh, groups got to stay in those groups. I mean, you can't leave that group and then go share what you, the women have said with your husband or your wife. You know, because now you violating the confidentiality of the brother who opened up in that meeting and said, because we normally open, I mean, hey, what we say in this room, stay in this room. And, and, and if people start feeling like, hey, everything I say is going to leave here, then they ain't going to open up. You're never going to get to that level of fellowship that you want to get where people are going to be real around you. Everybody's going to only be at the superficial level because they don't believe that we can hold that confidentiality. And that's why I think it's important you to say, you know, if you know you're not that person, then you need to say, hey, then we need to have a disclaimer. Let's not talk anything you don't want outside this room in this room. Well, then obviously the relationship and the fellowship is not going to be as strong as you want it to be because now people are going to shut down and it's going to be just superficial. But the church shouldn't be about superficiality. Now, 
And the last thing, after you get the confidentiality piece, then this is the challenge that we had today, but we have to do it through other means. It's the next thing in order for fellowship to be strong, there got to be frequency. You, 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 you must have frequent, regular contact with people that you're in fellowship with. You know, I know, Major, you go and play golf with certain guys. That's your all only fellowship. And I'm pretty sure y'all got a routine. You know, y'all got certain days. It's a routine, frequency. And that fellowship is stronger because y'all know, hey, on this Saturday, we're going to get together. We're going to do these things. And that type of frequency strengthens any type of relationship. You know, you, you can't do something every now and then and call it true fellowship. You know, in, in a relationship, you got to spend the time, put in the effort, and do things more frequently than, than is re normally required if you're going to build a strong, healthy relationship. That's why, you know, in the natural for churches, that frequency was, hey, Bible study, coming to church on Sunday, choir practicing together, doing things on a frequent basis so people get to be around one another. But again, now trying to get back to that, frequency taking place with some of us online and some of us in the house. You know, and, and we can't, you know, we can't start hitting and missing. You know, we, if church would be a mess if, you know, we didn't scramble every week to say, we're going to have church come, you know, hell or high water unless it's a hurricane. You know, we're going to do something. I remember when COVID first hit, man, you know, we had to shut down for a week or two. But after that, man, we say, hey, we got to figure out a way to make this thing happen. Because you go two or three months without it, folks going to say, hey, that fellowship relationship has got weaker and people have moved on with their life. And so, therefore, it forced us to have to go out and get fiber optics, get streaming services, get all these things so that we can maintain that frequency. Amen. And, you know, and, and one of the things that I, I, we did early on, and I, I, and I regret that I stopped doing it, is having more frequent check-ins where we just have members call in and see, you know, how things are going, not to just uh, discuss any business, just to say, hey, how is everybody doing? So we're going to do one of those tomorrow night especially with some members that we haven't seen in a long time, because it's difficult to call everybody, you know, in the course of a week. But man, if we just get online and just see how people are doing, to try to get that frequency back to say, okay, because I'm sure we got some members out there who've been going through this year suffering in silence because they don't have that relationship with someone. And, and everybody don't have that Miss Marvel relationship with you where people are calling everybody. That's why I say it's so important that Man, I hope that everybody do have a little small circle of influence that if pastor don't call them or somebody else don't call them, that circle know what's going on with you so you don't feel like, hey, I'm out here on this island by myself and, and because I can't fellowship in the normal way. So as we close this, the key thing is that change your focus when you hear the word fellowship. Think more than just food and getting together to eat <laughs> and have a potluck dinner, you know. Think about building a relationship with people. And so as we do that, then that should open up the way we communicate with one another when we come into a true, true fellowship. Amen? All right. Amen. If there, you don't have any questions, then we'll just say we thank God for each and every one of you. Thank God for the lesson. And we'll go ahead into our announcements.